The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Although you might not know this, age-related disease and health decline can start in our 60s, our 50s, our 40s, even our 30s. What you don't know can harm you. But with the right knowledge about your health and your body, these age-related issues can be prevented or even reversed. You'll get that knowledge today on Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. Dr. Bogard and her guests will answer your questions about your health. We want you to age gracefully. Now, here is Dr. Denise Bogard. Good morning. I hope everyone is having a good morning uh, right before Christmas. This morning, we're going to talk about various nutrients and medications that are involved in healthy aging. Um, Certain nutritional supplements and medications have claimed to possess anti-aging and longevity properties. We will discuss a few that have been proven scientifically to improve and sometimes prevent disease. Metformin is the first one we're going to talk about. Metformin is the most widely prescribed anti-diabetic drug in the world. For more than 40 years, metformin has been the first line of choice for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Unlike other medications that reduce blood glucose levels, metformin rarely causes hypoglycemia and it helps restore insulin sensitivity in patients. This drug has been approved by the FDA for treatment of type 2 diabetes. But it's also used in an off-label fashion by conventional physicians to treat other conditions, such as polycystic ovary syndrome, which is called PCOS, and drug-induced weight gain. Anti-aging physicians have begun to look at metformin's anti-cancer activities and its potential as a caloric mimetic for anti-aging physicians. Metformin is derived from the French lilac, a plant used in past times to treat diabetic disorders. It was first described in the literature in 1922. In 1950, it was used to treat influenza by a Filipino physician who found that it had antiviral, antipyretic, bacterial static, and anti-malarial and analgesic properties. 
It is not metabolized in the body and is 75 to 90% excreted by the kidneys within 12 hours. There are no clinically relevant drug interactions because it is not metabolized and does not interfere with the metabolism of, of other drugs. Apart from an inhibiting hepatic glucose production, metformin also helps insulin sensitivity. It increases insulin sensitivity and promotes fatty ox- acid oxidation while decreasing glucose absorption from the GI tract. Metformin has four main mechanisms for action of lowering blood glucose. Number one, it decreases glucose absorption from the GI tract. Number two, it inhibits liver production of glucose. It's called gluconeogenesis, and this is its main mechanism. Number three... It increases sensitivity and number of insulin receptors, thus increasing glucose uptake in the cells. And it, number four, it increases fatty acid oxidation. Metformin has been shown to increase both the sensitivity and the number of insulin receptors. As a result, insulin levels fall, and patients often lose weight. It's when the insulin levels are high that glucose is burned instead of fatty acids. When the insulin level drops, that's when fatty acids are burned instead, and that's how you lose weight. So metformin is known best for its treatment of type 2 diabetes especially in overweight individuals. But it's also used for polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is characterized by insulin resistance and hyperinsulinemia. Metformin reduces acne, hirsutism, which is the facial hair, abdominal obesity, amenorrhea, and other symptoms. It prevents or delays the onset of diabetes and helps restore ovulation and increases fertility. Weight gain is a common phenomena with several psychiatric medications. Metformin can be used to balance this weight gain in psychiatric medications. Metformin also reduces the number of deaths by heart attacks in type 2 diabetes. It lowers LDL and triglycerides. In a meta-analysis of 31 trials with 4,580 participants, metformin resulted in a reduction in BMI by 5.3%. It reduced fasting glucose by 4.5%. It reduced fasting insulin by 4.4%. And new onset of diabetes actually fell by 40%. Triglycerides fell 5.3%. LDL went down 5.6%. And HDL increased by 5%. Metformin 
may have use in both the prevention and treatment of cancer. It is known that diabetics are at increased risk for several types of cancer. They are at significantly increased risk for primary liver cancer and pancreatic cancer and at moderately increased risk for colorectal, endometrial, breast, and renal cancers. Metformin closely mimics cell repair processes associated with caloric restriction, and it prevents age-related cell damage. It has been found to affect at least 63 genes involved in energy production, protein synthesis, cell growth, and detoxification. This drug is contraindicated in people with conditions that increase the risk of lactic acidosis, such as renal failure, congestive heart failure, alcoholism, and severe chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. GI disturbances are common, including diarrhea, nausea, and vomiting. Other side effects include muscle pain, difficulty in treating um, loss of appetite, flu-like symptoms, and fatigue. Also, allergic reactions are possible. So that's metformin. As you can see, there are some huge big benefits of metformin. Again, everything I do, I weigh the risk benefit to see if it's a potential medication for each patient. Statins, statins, um, we're going to talk about statins a little bit here. They are among the most widely prescribed class of drugs with millions of prescriptions being written each year. It's been reported that one in four Americans over the age of 45 are taking statins. The main function of statins is the inhibition of cholesterol synthesis in the body. This results in a reduction in cholesterol levels with a decrease in the risk of atherosclerosis, heart attack, and strokes. Statins also have potent anti-inflammatory effects. Statins block the rate-limiting enzyme linked to the liver's production of cholesterol. It's called HMG-CoA reductase. These drugs lower cholesterol 18 to 55 percent and raise HDL by 5 to 15 percent. Use of statins reduces cholesterol. It slows the formation of plaque. It reduces the volume of plaque that already exists and it stabilizes plaque so that, so that it is less likely to become oxidized and rupture, which then results in clot formation and a heart attack. Statins have been shown to result in DNA repair after damage, reduces the risk of blood clots, 
and decreases inflammatory markers. A decrease in breast cancer and prostate cancer, as well as other cancers, were found among statin users. Statins can elevate liver function tests and can increase the chances of diabetes. It can also cause muscle aches and fatigue with minor muscle pain. This is the predominant symptom. But there is a small risk of developing a myopathy or a complete destruction of the muscles. And when this happens, it's very hard to reverse. So I'm very careful in how I select my patients to go on statins. Many times what I will do is um, when I order the statins is actually dose them every other day and fill in between with red yeast rice and niacin, uh, which has other properties to lower cholesterol and convert large, uh, small LDL particles into large, fluffy LDL particles. And um, so there's a, a number of ways that you can actually use the statins to get their beneficial effect, but decrease the side effects. And... Um, the one thing that I want to emphasize with both the metformin and the statins is that if you do not change your lifestyle, you're essentially putting a Band-Aid on uh, the problems of elevated lipids and elevated blood sugar. You have to change your lifestyle. And the predominant problems are really the sugar the carbohydrates, the starch, the high glycemic alcohol, which essentially converts to sugar, and then some of the saturated fats. It's also important to supplement with CoQ10 as statins do, de- do deplete the level of CoQ10. So let's talk about CoQ10 a little bit here. That's our next um, uh supplement that we're actually going to talk about. The first two were medications and the rest are actually nutraceuticals that I will be talking about. So CoQ10 is a fat-soluble vitamin like quinine. It is metabolically active in organs such as the kidneys, heart, liver, and pancreas. It is found in almost every cell of our body, and it helps create ATP, which is the body's form of energy on the cellular level. It plays an important role in reducing free radical damage. And again, as I mentioned earlier, free radical damage is part of the aging process. Cardiovascular disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, neurogenerative disorders, and the aging process itself are associated with suboptimal levels of CoQ10. I do measure CoQ10 in my practice, and I will tell you that frequently it is low. 
CoQ10 improves heart failure. <clears throat> it increases the, the survival and reduces the risk of developing cancer. It has multiple anti-hypertensive effects. It assists in tissue repair. And it assists or it uh, accelerates healing of gum disease. It also prevents mitochondrial decline and reduces free radicals. Side effects are rare, although it may interfere with Coumadin. No adverse effects in very high doses are seen. One thing that I have um, used, incorporated into my practice is it, it is very difficult to absorb CoQ10 through the GI tract. So I did just a very small experiment, and rather than taking the CoQ10 through the GI tract orally, I took the um, solution that was in the gel cap and started administering it sublingual. So sublingual is about as close to intravenous as you can get, and you can give CoQ10 intravenous although it is expensive, more expensive to give intravenously. So what I did is I started administering it sublingual, opening the gel cap and having it sit under your tongue for about a minute. And uh, I was able to increase levels. So um, that's one tip that you can use with CoQ10. When we come back, we'll talk about some other supplements uh, such as fish oil, astralgus, vitamin C, vitamin D, resveratrol, DHEA, carnosine, and something called bergamot which is a, uh, another supplement that we can use. It's a botanical that we can actually use to uh, lower cholesterol. We'll take a break, and when we get back, we'll begin again. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Karala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to bogardhealth at gmail.com. And now, back to Healthy Aging. Good morning. This morning we're talking about various medications and nutraceuticals that are very helpful in the anti-aging or healthy aging process. Um, as I as I incorporate uh, free free ox, oxidative stress and inflammation are a big part in the acceleration of aging and certain medications and nutraceuticals can actually improve this and slow down the oxidative stress and minimize the inflammation <clears throat> fish oil which is a combination of EPA and DHA so EPA is icosapopentoic acid, and DHA is doco, uh, docosohexohenoic acid. These are the omega-3 fatty acids. EPA is a precursor to DHA. In cold water fish and seafood are rich sources of both EPA and DHA. EPA is also available in flaxseed oil and algae sources. DHA is known to be the building block of brain tissue and the retina of the eye. It helps in forming phosphatidylserine, which is a neurotransmitter essential for the normal functioning of the brain. High levels of DHA have demonstrated a decrease in acute coronary events. There is no association between EPA and risk of coronary events. Omega fatty acids 
are known to possess anti-inflammatory effects. They have also been shown to result in a decrease in fasting triglycerides. Lower levels of both EPA and DHA are associated with shorter telomeres. Um, Omega-3s, or excuse me, omega-fats actually promote inflammation, whereas omega-3s resolve inflammation. So a healthy diet provides a balance of omega-6s and omega-3s. But in the typical Western diet, the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3s ranges from 15 to 1 to 30 to 1 instead of the optimal 1 to 1 or 2 to 1. A healthy diet in EPA, DHA, and GLA reduces inflammation, optimizes brain function, improves cardiac health, and provides significant disease protection. Fish oil is the omega-3 fatty acid, the best source of the omega-3 fatty acid, EPA and DHA. Evening primrose and borage oil are the best sources of the omega-6 fatty acid, which is GLA. Essential fatty acid supplements vary in the amounts of EPA, DHA, and GLA that they provide. So, Again, I look at it specifically, I actually measure the omega-3s, the omega-6s, and other fatty acids in the blood, and from there can look at a customized um, fish oil support for you. Again, as I mentioned, uh, and I will emphasize the EPA, primarily promotes a healthy heart and body, and these are anti-inflammatory. It supports cardiovascular health. It promotes healthy metabolism. It reduces joint pain and inflammation. It improves circulation and supports healthy aging. DHA is used primarily to support a healthy mood, mind, and memory. It supports memory, learning, focus, and concentration. It promotes cognitive health as we age. It supports optimal brain function. It protects eyes from age-related damage. It supports positive mood and behavior, promotes a healthy pregnancy, supports the developing fetus, infant, and child. GLA, which is gamma-linolenic acid, is, which is an omega-6, promotes healthy skin, hair, and hormones. It helps relieve the symptoms of PMS, such as mood changes, cramps, and edema. It maintains hormonal balance via the prostaglandin metabolism. It promotes smooth, healthy skin, supports healthy joints, reduces inflammation in the lungs, and supports mental well-being. So that's the fish oil, and I do incorporate that into my practice. The next thing we're going to talk about is astralgus. So astralgus belongs to the plant family Leguminoso. 
also known by the common name as milk fetch root. Traditional Chinese medicine uses astralgus to treat fatigue, loss of appetite, diarrhea, and many other purposes. Astralgus is commonly used in the United States as an immune stimulant. It stimulates the growth of lymphocytes, it stimulates the bone marrow and white cells, and enhances immune function. It also modulates adrenal cortical activity. Astralgus also prevents oxidative damage by enhancing mitochondrial function without increasing oxygen consumption. Upregulating telomerase activity can help preserve telomere length. Astralgus not only helps the body to fight off bacterial and viral infections, it also fortifies the immune system, uh, especially in those undergoing chemotherapy and other medical procedures. Astralgus can improve the immune function in those suffering from cancer. Astralgus is in a uh, supplement called TA65, which is a telomerase activator. And um, I have also incorporated that into my practice. Vitamin C. Vitamin C, which is L-ascorbate or L-ascorbic acid, is a weak sugar that is an essential nutrient for humans and some animal species. Humans are among those species who have lost the ability to synthesize vitamin C endogenously. Deficiency of vitamin C will lead to scurvy, which is a condition characterized by inadequate collagen synthesis. Its major anti-aging effects relate to its ability to neutralize free radical damage. It has also been attributed with wound healing. Vitamin C helps build immunity and prevents infection. Benefits of vitamin C include a healthier looking skin, guards against DNA damage, it reduces the risk of cataracts, it decreases blood pressure, it neutralizes free radicals, and helps prevent cancer. Supra-physiological doses, so that is large doses, have been used in the treatment of cancer. Studies show a 22% reduction in cancer deaths and a 42% reduction in cardiovascular disease in males, while it shows a 14% reduction in breast cancer and a 25% reduction in cardiovascular disease in women. Vitamin C was also shown to reduce age-related telomere shortening by 50 to 60%. Vitamin C is water-soluble and high doses can cause indigestion and diarrhea in some cases. 
Vitamin C enhances iron absorption, and it has been proposed as a treatment for the prevention of gout. Vitamin D. So vitamin D forms part of a group of fat-soluble secosteroids, including ergocalciferol, which is vitamin D2, and cholecalciferol, which is vitamin D3. Vitamin D3 was discovered in an attempt to find a cure and preventative treatment for rickets. Rickets is a disease affecting bone health in children. Rickets was a rare disorder many years ago, but then as people moved from largely rural areas where they were often outdoors to indoors, indoor environments in polluted cities, the incidence increased. Researchers discovered that rickets could be treated by either exposure to sunlight or consumption of cod liver oil. Vitamin D improves bone density, reducing the risk of fractures. It also enhances immune function. People with low vitamin Ds have increased risk of infection as well as autoimmune disorders. An adequate level of vitamin D decreases the risk of cardiovascular disease. Vitamin D plays a role in cancer inhibition. A deficiency in vitamin D has also been linked to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. There is evidence in the medical literature to suggest that relapses in MS, multiple sclerosis, are more frequent in people with low levels of vitamin D. It also improves tooth health. I do measure vitamin D in my practice and I optimize levels. Uh, The the levels through anti-aging have actually been a little higher than they are in traditional medicine. And we optimize to a level of about 70 to 90 milligrams per deciliter. There have been numerous studies that actually show that those levels decrease your risk of uh, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, cancer, autoimmune disease. So there are some major benefits from this. Vitamin D toxicity can manifest as polyuria, weight loss, anorexia, and heart dysrhythmias. It can also lead to an increase in blood calcium levels, which can cause tissue and vascular calcification, causing damage to the heart, kidneys, and blood vessels. So, in other words, you really don't want to overdose on vitamin D either. So, it is important to measure the levels. Next, we're going to talk about resveratrol. Resveratrol is a natural polyphenol and an antioxidant that is produced by some plants as a defense mechanism against pathogens such as fungi and bacteria. Resveratrol is commonly found 
in the skin of red grapes as well as red wine. Other sources of resveratrol are peanuts and berries, such as mulberries, cranberries, and blueberries. It is also found in trace amounts in cocoa powder and dark chocolate. The transform of resveratrol appears to be the most biologically active. Although numerous beneficial anti-aging actions have been found associated with resveratrol, advantages thus so far seem to be limited to its relatively short half-life, rapid metabolism, and elimination. The actions of resveratrol are closely connected to a family of proteins known as the sirtuins. So, SIR, S-I-R-2, which is a silent information regulator 2, was the first known sirtuin, a group of chemicals that have been known to regulate lifespan in animal species by their ability to mimic the effects of caloric restriction. Resveratrol is believed to activate SIRT1 and the anti-aging potential of resveratrol seems to be intimately connected to the sirtuins. Resveratrol also improves glucose and lipid metabolism. Resveratrol promotes the availability of nitric oxide, which helps prevent oxidation of LDL cholesterol. It decreases platelet aggregation and adhesion. It limits proliferation of vascular muscle cells, and it decreases expression of inflammatory genes. Resveratrol has been found to decrease blood pressure and prevent cardiac enlargement secondary to hypertension in animal experiments. Resveratrol is believed to possess anti-cancer properties. It acts as an antioxidant, an anti-mutagen, and an anti-initiation factor. Resveratrol has been shown to result in a decrease in blood glucose and hemoglobin A1c. The antioxidant properties have resulted in a decrease in the occurrence of diabetic neuropathy. Resveratrol has been shown to have neuroprotective effects through its ability to reduce brain amyloid plaque formation. Resveratrol has also been found to exhibit beneficial effects on other serious neurological conditions such as strokes, ischemia, and Huntington disease. After we get back from our break, we will continue. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. 
Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Healthy Aging with Dr. Denise Bogard. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to bogardhealth at gmail.com. And now, back to Healthy Aging. Good morning. In this last segment, we'll wrap up some of the... um, nutraceuticals uh, that are helpful in anti-aging. As I was talking about resveratrol before the break, resveratrol actually mimics caloric restriction and caloric restriction, calorie restriction has been one of the few things that actually increase longevity and lifespan. It mimics caloric restriction with several clinical effects, including a decrease in blood pressure, a decrease in blood glucose, decrease in triglycerides, it improves liver function tests and inflammation markers. Side effects with increased resveratrol include nausea, flatulence, which is gas, abdominal discomfort, and diarrhea. Recommended doses are between 250 and 500 milligrams per day. So now let's talk about DHEA. So DHEA is dehydroepiandosterone, and this is an endogenous steroid hormone secreted by the adrenal glands as well as the gonads, which are the ovaries and testicles, and also the brain. It acts as a precursor to the male hormone, sex hormone testosterone, and the female sex hormones, estradiol, estrone, and estriol. DHEA is associated with enhanced exercise performance, anti-aging properties, and improvement in libido, prevention of Alzheimer's, improvement in fatigue, 
relief of menopausal symptoms, and immune system enhancement. DHEA was first isolated in the 1930s. Athletes have used DHEA to increase strength, muscle mass, and energy. However, DHEA consumption is banned by the Olympics and other sports authorities worldwide, including the National Collegiate Athletic Association, which is the NCAA. DHEA is a prehormone, which is secreted by the adrenal glands as a metabolite of pregnenolone. Um, it is metabolized into other sex hormones such as testosterone, estradiol, and estrone. A marked decline in DHEA formation in the body occurs during aging. Most of the DHEA in the circulation is found as DHEA sulfate. DHEA and DHEA sulfate both decline by 80 to 90 percent during the latter decades of life compared to youthful levels. This decrease has been associated with various age-related problems such as loss of muscle mass, tendency towards obesity, a decrease in insulin resistance, loss of bone and cardiovascular fitness, Supplementing DHEA to levels found earlier in life is hypothesized to have anti-aging benefits. A group of women aging, or excuse me, a group of aging men with evidence of partial androgen deficiency receive 25 milligrams of DHEA daily and they were followed for one year. Hormone levels including the DHEA, DHEA sulfate, total and free testosterone, DHT, progesterone, 7-hydroxyprogesterone, estrone, estradiol, growth hormone, and IGF were all, all showed significant increases. Subjective symptoms were evaluated and included improvement in mood, fatigue, and joint pain. Women with adrenal insufficiency receiving DHEA showed significant increased increases in sexual interest, frequency of sexual thoughts, and mental and physical components of an improvement in mental and physical components of uh, a woman's sexuality. DHEA improves parameters in arterial stiffness, carotid augmentation index, and carotid femoral pulse velocity, as well as <clears throat> uh, the levels of inflammatory cytokines. DHEA also improves bone density. It's been shown to improve memory impairment associated with stress, <clears throat> but no significant differences were seen in regard to cognitive, cognitive function. Potential side effects of DHEA are largely related to its androgenic effects 
include hirsutism, which is facial hair, acne, and potential effects on hormone-dependent malignancies such as breast cancer and prostate cancer. Conversion of DHEA into DHEA sulfate occurs in the liver and individuals with underlying liver disease such as chronic hepatitis, cirrhosis, should monitor liver enzymes on a regular basis. Baseline levels should be obtained before beginning supplemental DHEA. Recommendations for optimal levels vary for men and women. As a general rule, dosages of women are usually between 5 and 15, and dosages for men are between 25 and 50. So let's talk about carnosine. So carnosine is a protein that's called a dipeptide. So it's formed with beta-alanine and histidine, which are two amino acids. It's naturally found in the brain and muscle tissues with lesser amounts in the heart, liver, kidneys, and other organs. Carnosine helps unlink glucose from abnormally glycated proteins. It repairs damaged sugars, phospholipids, and proteins. Red meat is the chief dietary source of carnosine and serves to keep meat from going rancid. Greater amounts of carnosine in meat leads to a longer shelf life. Carnosine is a powerful antioxidant known to scavenge reactive oxygen species. There have been there has been intense interest in the anti-aging effects of carnosine and it appears to help reduce glycation and cross-linking of proteins, which is one of the main theories of the aging process. In a previous lecture on diabetes, I explained the process of abnormal glycation. And that is, you think of it as a sticky bun phenomena. It is um, essentially your cells, instead of being nice and fluid and everything moving, the fluid between your cells moving nice and smoothly, instead it is literally, they stick together, the st- cells stick together and the interstitial fluid, the, the fluid between the cells is sticky rather than um, smooth and, and liquid. So carnosine actually reduces the formation of the advanced glycation end products. So those are, we refer to those as AGEs, which is a potential toxic debris. It's postulated to be related to Alzheimer's, cataracts, peripheral neuropathy, atherosclerosis, many aging disease processes. It's been, because of its ability to address protein cross-linkage, there is an interest in carnosine in the treatment of diabetic complications and cataracts. 
carnosine has antioxidative effects, particularly in respect to lipid oxidation. And again, oxidation is part of the aging process, especially cardiovascular disease. Carnosine has been shown to reduce oxidative stress, especially related to increased alcohol consumption, as well as reducing symptoms of lung injury in radiation therapy. Carnosine has a potential role in preventing atherosclerosis. In acetyl L-carnosine, eye drops may help to slow or reverse cataract formation. Supplementation with carnosine shows continuous significant improvement in the overall appearance of skin with a reduction of fine lines. Carnosine helps prevent neurodegeneration in the brain and it stabilizes the brain's blood supply. Carnosine has also been shown to improve muscle performance and endurance. Zinc carnosine can assist in the healing and prevention of gastric and duodenal ulcers. It has also been shown to have an inhibitory effect on H. pylori, which is associated with peptic ulcer disease. Carnosine was added to the diet of fruit flies, and this led to a 20% increase in the lifespan of males, but not females. However, an acetylated derivative increased the longevity in both males by 16% and females by 36%. It is generally considered safe and non-toxic, and no serious side effects have been reported. A recommended daily dose of carnosine is 100 to 200 milligrams for improving general well-being and longevity. Briefly, I want to talk about another supplement that has recently come into our armamentarium, and it's called bergamot. It's spelled B-E-R-G-A-M-O-T. What bergamot is, is it's actually a citrus plant that grows exclusively in the narrow coastal Calibria area in southern Italy. It's called citrus bergamia. This local population quickly discovered bergamot juice could be used to support healthy cholesterol levels and optimize cardiovascular health. Bergamot's health benefits derive from its unique profile of phenolic compounds such as neoerocitrin, neohesperin, nerogen, rutin, neodesmin, and many others. Uh, nerogen has been shown to be beneficial in maintaining inflammatory balance in the arteries um, while others have been shown to exhibit a strong capacity 
to quench the free radicals and maintain healthy LDL levels. It will dampen the coenzyme Q as the um, statins do, so you do have to supplement with CoQ10, with bergamot. I am in my uh, preliminary uh, start of actually incorporating bergamot into my practice, but it has some very promising effects with minimal side effects. I appreciate your attention today, and thank you. Hopefully, this summary has showed you that we can use both medications and nutraceuticals incorporated in our practice to improve the aging process. Thank you, and have a good holiday. Thank you for joining us this week for Healthy Aging. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Denise Bogard, again next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon. 